0: At this time, I invite you to receive the word of God for us this morning. If you are able, I encourage you to read along with the text, which can be found at the bottom of page 1063 in your pew Bibles. The text is John chapter 8, verses 31 through 59. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him. Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we, are, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer and a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you, have, you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks. He is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is the Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters of Escalon CRC, the word of God tells you today that the truth will set you free. Do you believe that? Good. Because it will set you free, but not in the next 30 minutes. Until then, you are my prisoners. I'm just kidding, but Pastor Dave did give me a massive text. I think he wants to be done with John. <laughs> so it's going to take almost the 30. So let's jump in without any more waiting. Or Actually, I'd rather jump out of this text because there's a frame which I would like to set for our passage today. A frame which comes in the form of a claim. A claim made twice by Jesus. An extraordinary claim, to use Sir Patrick's words. It was in the passage last week, and it will be in the passage next week, so listen for it. This is that claim. In chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. And then, again, with slight variation, in chapter 9, Jesus claims, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This claim of being the light of the world, it frames our passage, and I think it illuminates the text. Because light is revealing by nature, and through light, contrasts and assessments can be made. And Jesus, calling himself the light of the world, implies that by him, things are revealed, and through him, they are assessed for their quality and authenticity. Things are separated by the sun, but in darkness, all is one. My Greek professor has a saying. He says, Micah, that's the wrong Greek translation. But he also has another saying which is slightly more applicable. He says, good speakers never say the same thing twice unless it's really important. As we jump into our text today, let us take a moment and dwell on how the light of the world might be illuminating the world 2,000 years ago. What does the light of the world reveal about the world and those in the world? All right, our text is framed and the lighting's right, so let's jump in. And from the very start, we see that our text today is a continued dialogue from last week. Jesus is speaking to Jews who had believed him. He says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is a big claim. If we can look past the most commonly quoted, cliche, hallmark movie line, that the truth will set you free, if we can look past that novice sermon starter quote, maybe we can notice in the full context more subtle insinuations and more powerful assertions. For starters, there's something of a warning, a call to reflection, for personal reflection in Jesus' words to those who had believed him. I've never heard a teacher in their classroom with their students begin their instruction with, if you listen to me, obey me, you will truly be my students. Maybe it's because I went to public school and not Christian, but my teachers always began far more commandingly with the students that were theirs. They'd say, listen up, abide in what I am saying and teaching. They only ever said, if you, when their students were mixed up With students who were not theirs. Then they'd shout out, if you're mine, follow me. Though the text says the Jews believed, it seems that their belief was shallow at best. And this if you statement, which starts our text today, is a separating narrative, which only grows throughout the passage, culminating in a Jews versus Jesus intent to kill. But this insinuation of their false sincerity and false belief is rather small compared to the assertion which I see Jesus make. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. Who of us would ever connect our words with truth authoritatively. I wouldn't. I don't. I end some of my most powerful and core convictions with uncertain inflection at the end. But there's no uncertainty in the words said here by Jesus. And the Jews don't seem to see it in Jesus' tone and it's interesting that they don't question his claim to truth. What they question is his claim of freedom. Look at their response. They reply, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Here in verses, verse 33 of our text, The light of the Son of God reveals that the people are not free. By implication, he tells them they are prisoners. But his presence begins to reveal more than that. Light reveals in an instance, but remain in the light, and authenticity and quality and character are revealed. When we want to inspect some, put it under purer and better light so as to not only see the shape, but its essence. And the danger of dialoguing with Jesus, with the light of the world, is that more than just the surface of a person is revealed. The Jews in their response to the presence and the truth show just how utterly spiritually blind they are. Not only to who this is, but to their own condition. Soren Kierkegaard once observed that there are two ways which one can be fooled and deceived. One way is to believe what isn't true, to be bamboozled, hoodwinked, fleeced, tricked. That way is easily solved. However, the other one is far more concerned. The second way to be fooled, to be deceived, is to refuse to believe what is true. The tragedy of the Jews' response is that it reveals a chasm between them and the truth which Jesus teaches and claims. Consider how they are deceived twice over. First, they believe that they are not slaves. And second, they believe that they are free while they live in chains. Declare ye sages if ye find, amongst animals of every kind, a creature that mistakes his hand, and errs so constantly as man. We've all met those people who overestimate themselves. We've all been those people who, unaware of our actual talents, our own, our actual place, we overestimate ourselves. And thank God for the embarrassment that come in these times. That when God, that God uses them to humble us, that we might actually learn who we are and where we are. Every time I approach a pulpit, I take comfort that my sermon will never be as bad as the time I thought I could preach. The point is this. You cannot learn. You cannot know a thing. You cannot know or learn truth if you hold on to a pre-existing lie. And the Jews believe they know what freedom is. To them, it's seen in infinite darkness and known only through the restraints of sin. The Jews, they believe they know what truth is and it sounds like what they've heard from their father, Satan. The Jews, they believe they are children of Abraham and that God is their father. And yet they do not love, they cannot receive, and they will not listen to the very one whom God has sent. And before the light of the world, all these things are poignantly clear to us. But why is it not clear to them? I'm glad we did the Ten Commandments earlier today, or we referenced them, because I fear they are poorly understood by both non-Christians and Christians alike. Too often these commandments are put forward as the sight, as the light, as the means by which Christians live. I have met believers and unbelievers who think it's through the Ten Commandments that one achieves Christianity? That these commandments hold for us Christians, the light of our lives. They are useful, but they will never illuminate your life. They can only guide. Only the sun frees. It's funny, but we as humans are made in such a way that we can see without seeing. Physically and spiritually, we are built with the ability to perceive and to be aware, even as we truly don't see or understand. An example of this is that when I get up in the middle of the night, I know I can take two steps forward before I hit my foot on furniture. And then I know if I shift to the left take three more paces right round here i'll find a light switch how cautiously and restricted and restrained i have to move in the dark somehow knowing where i'm going but not free it's this awareness that so many call sight and it seems to me that verse 37 teases at this, where Jesus says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from yours. Do you see the change, the switching of agency and freedom? The switching between seen with my father and heard from yours. It brings to mind those relay races. You know, in youth camp, where you would partner up and your partner would be blindfolded. And then you'd have to race. You know, the girls always seem to win those things. They could trust their partner. If the Jews spiritual blindness wasn't inadequate enough. I think the text not only points out spiritual blindness, but parallels and mocks physical blindness. Look at verse 59. Right after Jesus makes an I am statement, which could be a sermon in and of itself, right after he connects himself to the Father transcending all creation, the Jews set it to their mind that they stone him. So they pick up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I find that hilarious and mocking of human sight. That's like me saying, I won't end this sermon with a benediction unless one of you tags me. And then during the uh, song of application sneaking out right before all of you and none of you noticing. It's easy to get lost in a crowd, but not if you're the main focus and the main reason there is a crowd. Our passage today and the passage last week and the passage next week are constantly driving forward themes of contrast and themes which should bewilder our senses. It should amaze us that we see between God's Son and his people a chasm revealed. Jesus saying that he is the light of the world is contrasted with the fact that the world up until then was dark. When he says that he can set them free, it means that up until then, they were slaves. That the Jews cannot bear the truth means that they live and love and speak lies. They may be in the presence of the light of the world, but all their faculties of sense don't seem to function. And there's an interesting parallel between that And how dead men have all the faculties of sense, they have eyes to see, ears to hear, hands to touch, and yet none of these faculties of sense are free to be used by a dead man. And I think that's why the last offer which Jesus makes to the Jews comes in this claim in verse 51, which ties back back to the original offer of freedom. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If there are two things which enslave humanity, truly enslave humanity, it's taxes and death. Mankind was not made to die. That was not part of... Creation with God. It came only when humanity separated itself from God. It's interesting in this last offer, the Jews respond, choosing death. And it's almost ironic that in choosing, intending to. to, condemn jesus with death by picking up stones they condemn themselves where else will they find life they have an answer to everything they have claimed to be free they have claimed to be born not of sexual immorality they have claimed to have the truth and to be sons of god but an answer to the question of death their answer is death How about you? Do you think you are free today? Will you seriously tell me that you are free when wrapped around your ankle is an invisible chain, and with every passing moment, a link slides beneath the ground and into a pit which will someday pull you in to a grave which will someday be your prison? How will you escape? Are you comfortable that I can claim that you will die and yet you aren't comfortable with the claims Jesus has made? You don't have to like Jesus' claims. You don't have to like his claim of being light or that he can set you free or that he has the truth or that he has true life. You don't have to like that Jesus is the one offering them. But you do have to realize that you need each of these things. And he is the only one who's offering them and who has them. Brothers and sisters, and anyone who's listening, I'll wrap up with this observation. And I want you to dwell on this. If you wanted wisdom, you would seek out someone who is wise and they could make you wise. And if you wanted truth you would seek out someone who knows the truth and they could share it with you. To receive a thing, you must go to the one who already has it. Why is it that with freedom and with life, we think we have it already? Why is it that we think the faint taste we know now is knowing it in its fullness? Why do we think freedom and life is something we don't have to learn or to receive? Why do we believe the lie that we who were born in sin and darkness, born in prison cells of, and physical morality, mortality, why do we believe we already have that? Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Please join me in prayer. We thank you, God that you are patient with us. That you are patient with us who have ears, but who so often don't hear. Who have eyes, but who so often don't see. We who have been blessed with reason and discernment, but use these gifts to justify sin and to persist in living lies. And yet to hard hearts and shut eyes like ours, you sent your Son to share light and good news, to free, to teach, to witness, and to ultimately redeem. Lord, I pray that this summer you would open our eyes, that you would give us the light of life, that you would fill us with your word and truth, and that you would lead us into life everlasting. Amen.